We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, the Lakers scorched the Nets with a season-high 141 points. The first quarter was very competitive. Chicago came out ahead 32-31. to There were 15 lead changes in one quarter, which is crazy. Very competitive, good basketball on, on both ends. And then in the second quarter, starting around the nine-minute mark, Lakers started to make a little bit of a push, and it was kind of a slow burn. They got up by six or eight points. And then with about two minutes left, uh, Vando – and uh, I forget exactly what the sub was, but basically we get the uh, last year's starters, and they go on a crazy 9-0 run. I think it was a 12-0 run going back to the previous unit to close the second quarter. Out of nowhere, right? And so Lakers going into halftime are very suddenly up 16 points. And then to start the third quarter, brilliant offensive execution, especially. And D'Angelo Russell had, was great the whole game, at least the whole competitive game. And then in that third quarter, just really turned the screws. And the game was right about over after the Lakers won those uh, first five minutes of the third that Stu always talks about, D. And so at the beginning of this month, one of the process things, not just one of the headline thing, when you asked me what was most important to me to see out of January, was to see the offense get on track. And we are in such a different place offensively than we were before. We have not had one of them games where we win because of our defense in a minute. So we're going to have to put those two things together. But we've finally seen kind of some games won with their offense. And so very excited about that, D. The place where they're at with their offensive execution is just in a way different place than it was at the beginning of the month. It totally is. 141 points, 20 made three-pointers, uh, 35 assists on 53 made baskets. Just a lot of good on that side of the ball. A lot of this cohesiveness and understanding of making the next pass and, and making the right read. Pick and rolls look sharp. Post-ups look sharp. I really do like what they're doing with Vando as a cutter. The synergy between Austin and D'Lo is back to what it was last season as like sort of a, like a two-man guard pairing there, which I think is 
a really important part of what we're seeing within the context of like the larger Lakers offense performance. They were up at one point, Pete, like I want to say D'Lo had 20 points by himself at one point and LeBron and AD had combined for 25 and the Lakers mm-hmm. were up by 16. I think at that same exact point, Austin had 18 points. And so 38 points from your starting backcourt and only 25 combined between LeBron and AD. AD started two for eight from the field, Mike. And um, he wasn't like laboring by any means, but his shifts were shorter. And it looked like the rotation decisions were clearly meant to sort of like keep his minutes load down from where it's been. He had missed some bunnies. It's funny because he started two for eight, but he finished 10 for 18. And so he clearly like found his groove and anyway, very similar to LeBron too, where it's just like out of nowhere, you look at the final box score and LeBron had 25 and 12. I guess when you score 141 points, everyone is in on the mix. Even Vando, 17 points. It's a Lakers high. Just a lot of good offensive stuff, Mike. The headliner, though, is D'Lo. And I think that's what everyone was talking about after the game. What's your perspective on that and the rhythm that he's in? And even like the perception of him within the context of the team, because he put on a show not only for the fans yesterday, but for his teammates, like the reactions to the shots that he was hitting during that third quarter stretch were very similar to like the reaction that LeBron might get from a huge dunk or AD might get from like a lob that he throws down over a big man. But here's D'Lo putting on a, a shooting display that you don't really see typically from a Lakers guard. Well, he had eight threes and then the ninth was almost a three quarter court shot that looked pure the whole way went off the backboard and just rimmed out um, which would have been actually insane and that would have matched his career high uh, which he's actually hit three other times you know only LeBron and Kobe have hit the nine three mark for the Lakers and Kobe's 12 is the only time there's been a Laker in double figures and he was flirting with it for the month now uh, D'Lo 48.8 percent from three 4.2 makes per game and that is just way up from the previous month where he was struggling with the shot, 1.5 makes per game and 32.7%. So I actually thought that was just a continuation what he did of what he's been doing. His previous five games, five makes, three makes, six makes, four makes from three. And this one, a couple more happened to go in. So he's been in this kind of a rhythm. I, To me, the story of the game was more Jared Vanderbilt and kind of his emergence, what he's been able to do and add from a scoring standpoint He didn't hit double figures for 23 games, not once, once he came back. In the last four, he said it three times, 12 points. He had just four against Portland, and then he had 12 against the Clippers again, and then 17 against the Chicago. Darvin Ham said something after the game where he spoke to Vanderbilt at practice and essentially encouraged him to just drive more uh, and get downhill, try to get to the rim, like not forget that that's an element of his game that he has. And he's been doing it both with the ball and without, like on cuts. And he's been rewarded by players. Uh, LeBron stands out as the one who's kind of found him the most. And that last part, like to me, the key stretch of the game, you had alluded to this earlier. It was LeBron checking in, but uh, sorry, it was Vanderbilt checking in, but with LeBron. And they replaced Torian Prince and Rui Hachimura with about, I think it was like 217, something like that, 230 to go. And I, there's a couple things like one, Prince had two fouls and 
I don't know that maybe that was the, the main reason why, but I would love to think that Darvin Ham is wanting to get to that group more. Uh, and and that's something that we'll continue to see as Vanderbilt's minutes continue to go up because it worked. And I think that he energizes LeBron in AD. We've talked about that a lot of times on the pod. But yes, like Delo's shooting was great. He's been doing that. But Vanderbilt kind of being coming back uh, even closer to where he was last year, if not exceeding to me, is the headline uh, as you move forward onto this road trip. If you can get consistent offensive production out of Vando, it's a total game changer for the team because the only argument against him playing a lot of minutes, like for me, I'm less, I would love for Vando to start. I don't think he's the only guy that could start with that group and have that group be really good. And that group was phenomenal in terms of running the five out offense. I think that's what that five, the one with Prince at the three can do best is really execute the offense well. And I'll talk more about that a little bit later, but Vando's getting 26, 27 minutes now, which is great. If he starts or not, that's not as important to me as the minute total. And Part of him getting to that point total is it's a couple of things. For one, us playing out of the post more opens up the cuts. And I, I alluded to this in yesterday's pod a little bit, those dives from the elbow and and all of that. But he had this play yesterday, D, on just a, a, a ball screen with LeBron where LeBron gave him a pocket pass and he caught it and he shot faked and got DeRozan in the air, DeRozan Comes back down, Vando starts to go up, bumps him with the shoulder, gets a little and one. And I don't think I've ever seen Vando that calm and patient after catching the ball in that sort of situation where he's starting to look like a guy that knows his reads and knows like, okay, if they do this, I do that off of the different uh, actions, whether it's ball screens or cuts. And he had that beautiful right-handed you know, little floater across his body as he was racking, you know, sideline to sideline that was like, all right, Vando, check you out, you know? And really the, the only argument against Vando playing a ton of minutes is like, what do we do with him on offense? Now, Chicago isn't the final boss of figuring out whether or not you've solved that problem. But I, I think the fact that this was his Lakers high is indicative of a uh, figuring something out with him on the court. And that's really exciting. Yeah, Chicago's defense is uh, Glass Joe or Don Flamenco. <laughs> it's at least like King Hippo or something. Well, I don't know, man. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Glass. It's not quite it's Glass, not Glass Joe. Joe. I mean, let's, you know, let's, come on, let's be fair. Yeah. You said King Hippo. Sure. Mr. Sandman. We're talking about Mike Tyson's punch out for the for the younger crowd. Sure. Yes, for the 99% of people who have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyways. The creativity around or or just utilizing Vando more like and this is the argument for a fight out offense um, that you were making very, very early in the season, Pete. And, and I think that this was a part of your excitement around it. Right. Which is the ability to involve more people in the action rather than just having them space around while you run a pick and roll or isolate a guy on the wing or the mid post or even trying to get a deep post up for AD or LeBron, right? Because those latter things can happen within the context of a five out offense, but the inverse isn't always true where you're going to get all of these guys touching the ball um, as much as they do within the context of a four-out offense, right? Vando, using Vando as a screener is something that we were asking for even more last season. The shape of the floor 
and the geometry of the player position did not always allow it. The Lakers going to that a little bit more, particularly with LeBron as the ball handler, where if they switch that, then fine. LeBron's fine with that. Then Vando's just going to go out and then it'll flow into something else. But if they don't switch that and they decide we're going to throw resources at LeBron, then LeBron is the... He is the man who has all of the passes. D'Lo has him too, but LeBron's just bigger than D'Lo. So all the -the over-the-top stuff or any of the pocket stuff or any of the like skips or just everything that he has at his disposal. And you're not wrong about Vando being able to play in short role and making those, those reads as to like, oh... Am I supposed to spray the ball here or am I supposed to attack? And it's clear to me that he's seen at least the last few games that teams are playing him to pass. And so he's just like, all right, well, then I'm going to try to go score. And he's getting fouled more. And it's just like there's just so much more utility to him when he's doing that. Well, and as to what Mike was saying about Darvin's quote, and there was a possession, one of uh, Vando's buckets was... Javon Carter was on him and he caught the ball in the corner and it wasn't like he had an advantage, you know, Carter was in rotation or anything, but Vando caught it and he went right at him, went right at his chest. And Carter's a really good defender. He's just in a totally different weight class than Vando is is in. And so he kind of went through him and Euro stepped uh, to the side of him and got a layup out of it. And it was that level of aggression, Mike, I think speaks to Darvin's point, right? About like, you have to have that sort of aggr- aggressiveness. So let's take a break and come back, talk a little bit more about the aggressiveness that comes from a little more confidence in knowing what you're doing. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your door. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. Don't let recipe boredom strike because HelloFresh has more options than never. Dig into their biggest menu yet with over 45 dinner options to choose from weekly and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. There are many things I appreciate about HelloFresh, from how it saves me time by having all the ingredients ready at my fingertips, to how organized and easy to follow all of the recipes are. But most of all, I really do like the variety of offerings and all the different flavor profiles in their meal kits. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LakerFilmRoomFree and use the code LakerFilmRoomFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash LakerFilmRoomFree with code LakerFilmRoomFree. The confidence that's coming in that kind of a setting, Pete, I think also just comes from knowing that you're going to play a certain amount. And that was also part of the issue with Vanderbilt early and as he wasn't healthy and yet maybe he's only going to get a shift or two and he's playing for 14 minutes and maybe he's taking two shots or three shots. And that, that part has evolved. You know, he took 11 shots against the bulls. He took 10 against the Clippers and 
that's usage that's being taken away from somebody else, uh, whether, you know, Anthony Davis is certainly one LeBron, a couple fewer shots, um, Austin, a couple fewer shots since D'Lo was being aggressive as well. But that's the place that d- a defense is going to completely leave him. Then the utility has to come with that type of aggression. So I think you got to give both him and the coaching staff some credit for turning a corner there. And, you know, how sustainable is it? I think I don't see any reason why um, he can't keep finding those angles, because if not, and teams want to guard him more traditionally, then great. Just have Anthony Davis take more shots again. And that's what they don't want. You know, this is this is sort of where defensers are trying to steer things when he's on the court and make them make an adjustment, uh, I think, to to this. And if they do, that's going to open up a different part of the court. It's a little bit of the same conversation when LeBron was talking about ADs passing out of double teams, that if, if you want to keep doing it that way, then he's going to keep finding guys and it's going to get back to those numbers that you were sending us, Pete, about the assists per month and uh, the or, passes sorry, the per, passes game. per yeah. month, pa- passes mm-hmm. per game, whatever. Um, and that all of that starting to come together. So my my question to Anthony Davis on this yesterday was the offense has clearly been ticking up, but the defense has been ticking back. Uh, a little bit and his quick answer was just that that we can't that's not acceptable basically like both have to say hi but I think and that's how players should certainly think that's how he should think but I do think that with the increased offense and with playing the small group a little more that the defense is suffering some so I'm curious if you guys see anything along those lines or um, if you want to follow up on that Vanderbilt point I mean yeah the defense is slipping they're playing fewer defensive players especially at the start of the game. Prince is a good defensive player, and any time Prince's name comes up within the context of defense, his teammates are praising him. When AD talks about Prince, he brings up Prince positively defensively. And so I think Prince is well-regarded by his teammates as a guy who can defend. The ask on him is sometimes a bit too high, and we all know that like D'Lo and Austin are not strong defenders individually, but like they both compete in their own way. And and I'm appreciative of like D'Lo getting his hand in passing lanes. And um, one of the things the Lakers did yesterday is they got several live ball turnovers, which they then turned into to points. And, and so the defense doesn't always have to be like, oh, we're getting stop after stop after stop. And we're the, you know, like, I don't know, classic era Pistons or something. (laughs) It's more along the lines of like, are we both getting the stop and getting the rebound? And I think like this small group, if we go back, one of the reasons why Austin was the first person to get pulled out of the starting lineup from this specific group when the season started. And he got pulled, Pete, when the Lakers couldn't get a defensive rebound to save their lives. Darwin was just like, we can't do it anymore. The Bulls are a complicated team to say like, oh, yeah, we're just going to get every every defensive rebound because like Drummond's really good on uh, the offensive glass. They chase offensive rebounds and they even played two bigs for like an extended stretch during the second half. And those groups were good at getting to the offensive glass. And so you had mentioned in the thread like this was earlier in the game, like the Lakers would be up double digits if they could get a defensive rebound, but they couldn't. And and so that's a part of defense also too, right? Is, is securing the ball when, when you get, get a stop. And so I'm not sure how that changes necessarily with this specific group on the floor. Just to bring in AD again, because when I asked him about the defense, the point that he made was about defensive rebounding. 
And so Darius hit on that as well. And AD, again, in the player mindset, it's more, we can, I don't care what the personnel is. We have to do it. There's yes. no, this guy's smaller. Great. Like too bad, you know, go yeah, out there and get it, it we done. We are out there. We got to get it done. Yes. And, and I appreciate that mindset. And, and, you know, I think that it's just easier said than done when the other team has Andre Drummond, you know, it, it's just a, that's, that's the, there's the fine line there where the coaching staff has to then think, okay, well, we are, we are going to give up a little bit of this, but it's worth it for the overall continuity and flow. And Pete, did you catch the bronze post game, the full interview? I did. Yeah. In the luck. Okay. I thought so. So he, did you catch where he said, he basically said the coaching staff has decided this is going to be the lineup. Like we're going with this. Um, and he, LeBron seemed to say it in a positive context of, of just let's enough of the switching it around. Uh, even if it's not ideal, even if it's not perfect, we get it. Like the first group isn't as good rebounding. The three of us may have may like the idea of Vanderbilt or Hachimura more right. um, in that three spot, but the players, I think, are at a, are, are at a point where this is going to be the group for now when we're healthy, and then we'll get to the bigger groups in the defense and that uh, off the bench. And so to me, it's more of a that's that's actually I get that. I totally get that. But just maybe there's certain times where you need to get to that bench if it's not if the starting group is is really at a deficit early uh, in a game or in the third quarter and you're getting killed in the glass or it's a particularly tough matchup like Denver. Right. But sure. I I get the idea of just this is what it's going to be. Here's how we're going to run. This is how the ball is going to move. And uh, especially hearing LeBron say that, you know, I, I think that's said something to me. I, that, that means something to me, too, for sure, in that uh, I, I think that, you know, picking a direction to go in is is important. That said, if you're going to go that direction, be good at the things that you can be good at. One of the things we were lamenting early in the game was, why can't we get out to shooters when we're small? The whole idea, if you've got this three-guard lineup, at the very least, look, if somebody's going through Delo's chest or Austin's chest, right, they're not, they're not strong enough to hold up Prince, same type of thing, that's a matter of your physical capability. The we can't freaking close out to shooters and we got to go 20 feet under every screen to let Alex Crusoe step into practice threes, it's like, no, it, you got to be good at the things that you can be good at with the capabilities you have. Let's just pause on that because that was in the first quarter. There were a couple of texts sent back and forth. And, and like for context, I again, I sit opposite the Laker bench about three rows back in the media area. So I'm I've got a really good view of the court, but I don't if I'm not looking at the monitor, I don't quite have the spacing perspective of like how you're watching it on the screen. So a lot of times, but I like that angle. So a lot of times I'll I'll text Darius and Pete and I'll be like, were they like were, who missed that rotation? You know, and then I have to go back and look at the video. And I was just flummoxed in the first by how wide open the guy, certain players were, and certainly Caruso, who's shooting 42% from three this year. Like he's not the Alex Caruso of his first couple of years who can't hit a three. And so, can you explain specifically why, uh, what was happening defensively, why he was open, and how much of that is scheme, how much of it is closeout, how much of it is overhelping, and how much of it is sustainable or not? So, we help a lot from one pass away which is the reason for a lot of these shots. I think the reason we help a lot from one pass away is that because the lineup is small, we're trying to uh, play a, a certain type of containment defense, to keep them in front of you, beat us with jump shots type of containment defense. And so when you're helping from one pass away, you're going to give up that shot from one pass away a lot. Um, our closeouts are not as good as 
they could be and should be. And so that's one of the things that the difference between when we're good and when we're bad, like there, <laughs> there was a transition play in that crazy last two minutes where uh, last year's starting lineup was in the game in the second quarter. We turned the ball over. LeBron tried to make a, tried to thread the needle on a pocket pass and it got deflected and it was a fast break and LeBron sprinted back to take away the, the shot at the rim, I think by Kobe, Kobe White. Uh, I forget who it was, but he kicked it out to the corner. Actually, it was to Kobe White. Austin comes flying as hard as like just out of nowhere. The the closeout landed him in like the third row. But like the level of I am going to close out like my hair is on fire was amazing. And so it's a combination, Mike, of one of the things that you can you can slip into the game plan, especially when it's a passive one saying, oh, we're supposed to give that guy a shot. It's like, yes. But that doesn't mean that when the ball gets rotated to him, you just go like you just politely wave your arm toward him. Like you still have to do your job in the same type of way and put a little bit of pressure on them. And yes, that's the game plan to help off them, but you still have to recover. And so that's a big part of sort of the spirit of the team. I think you can really see the spirit of a team in their their closeouts. And so that has a level of variance to it to where to me, D, if we're going to be at that height, if we're going to have that construction, this is the direction we're going to go in. Let's be good at that, and let's be good at running five-out offense. So let's take a break. Keep up this discussion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is a conservative style of defense. Yeah, we're going to protect the paint and we're going to sell out and have teams beat us with jump shots. The thing is, is teams are coming close to or beating them with jump shots. And, and then and, they're getting the offensive rebound if they don't make the jump shot. Yeah. And so it's it can be particularly frustrating at times going way under on an Alex Crusoe screen or choosing to go under. I don't know if they're because other possessions they went over and it's just like, okay, like I don't know which one's correct. My understanding of our principles on that is that it's up to the guard, right? In terms of sure. what they think the best route to go in. And then there is a, we're going under this, uh, or then there's a general level of like, are we closing out hard to Patrick Williams? Probably not. You know, that's true yeah. of every all five players on the court. So it's kind of up to the guard which direction they're going to go in. Yeah. And and so two or three times during the first quarter, part of my frustration was like, oh, you went way under here because they understand the the other team has coaches, too. 
And the other team has smart players as well. And so when one of the things that sometimes gets called and sometimes doesn't is that when a big man sets a screen, he leaves a half a beat early and goes into his role. And he goes into his role in the same way that like um, an inside wide wide receiver goes into his cut right where he sees his partner wide receiver about to make his inward cut so that he can pick off the opposing defender so that he opens up his his teammate big men do this for their guards all of the time like oh you're gonna go under a screen well then guess what i'm gonna wipe you out when i roll to to the basket and Caruso got a wide open three three pointer that way. DeMar DeRozan walked into an 18 footer that way. And it's just like, that's DeMar DeRozan. He's, they're setting the screen inside the three point line. You, in theory, you can't go under there. He's too good of a shooter. But the flip side is, is that that's the scheme. The scheme is to like, we want to make these guys make jumpers and getting out and rotating hard is to me the part that is tricky, particularly when your athletes are like Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. Austin, I think, has given up a four-point play in like three of the last four (laughs) games or four of the last four games. Like he's fouling jump shooters more often than I know that he would like and I know more than the coaches would, would like. It's because he's busting his tail to get out to a shooter, but he's a beat late because he's helping and maybe overhelping on actions where he is one pass away. D'Lo, I think, has the opposite problem in that he doesn't close out hard enough at times. He is master of the, like, I'm going to close out short, even against shooters that are viable shooters. And this is where it's just like, these are the types of shots the Lakers are going to surrender. And so is it shooting luck that these shots go in for the other team? Or is it like, we need to sharpen up our execution within within the scheme. And it's probably a little bit of both, but when it is a little bit of both, those things sort of exponentially build on, on each other. And you get a team shooting 40% from three for an entire month of the season. And it's just like, we've played a quarter of the games here. Like it's a 20 game sample, Mike, and the team is shooting 41% from three. The Lakers then need to get that back in another way. And against the Bulls, they did. They made 23s of their own, but I don't know how sustainable that formula is either. How many block shots do you guys think Anthony Davis has in his last three games? One or two, it seems like. One. One, one total, yeah. right? So none against the Blazers or the Clippers, just one against the Bulls. Uh, he did have two against Brooklyn. For the month, he's at 1.7. Uh, previous month, he was 2.5. November, he was 2.7. Um, and then, you know, there were only four games in October. It was like 2.8. So this is where I keep... When you're talking about the scheme like that and what the ideas are, and so clearly Anthony Davis is on the back line often. The theory to me, when you just have like you have Anthony Davis and in, in if you're playing a more aggressive scheme, you're sort of go ahead, guys. You want to drive in? Like Anthony Davis is there. And it doesn't seem like that's happening. And Davis also does seem because he should be, because he's played more minutes than almost any star in the last calendar year. Uh, seemed to be fatiguing some. Uh, he was questionable for the for the game against was it against Portland or the Clippers? I want to say the Portland game. Yeah, uh, against Portland and ended up playing uh, playing 26 minutes. Didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. It looked like he might not need to play in the fourth quarter. So I'm just kind of I'm wondering what you're seeing with AD defensively with how the scheme 
impacts this um, with, and yeah, that I'm just yeah. curious for your AD on defense thoughts. I think that's a great question that maybe gets to the heart of why we're helping from one pass away a ton is that from a, if this were a playoff game, how would we beat this team across from us with our defensive scheme? A lot of it would be, we're going to funnel you into Anthony Davis and all roads defensively. Everything we do is with the purpose of funneling you into, into him. But with the minutes load that he's playing, with the offensive burden that he now has, which is not the same that it was at the beginning of the year. I got a video coming out soon on his post play. He's become a wonderful hub of offense, which has been right near the top of the the best developments about this season. That's a lot to ask a guy, right? And so I think that part of why we are in an especially containment defense is to not ask AD to be that Every game, game after game, while being the hub of the offense, while playing the minutes load that he's playing in all of the games that he's playing, there has to be some level of relief for the guy that's been moving the couch, D. And that's one of the reasons why we didn't really get into the specific roster needs. We'll do another one, uh, another pot on that before the, the actual deadline. But a backup defensive five, just another guy that can grab the other end of the couch. Freddie uh, in stretches like this that can even happen in in important games, right? Even when he's yeah. not on the floor. And I I've I like Christian Wood and I think he's been a good addition to the team, but he just that's not the style of player that he is. And I think that having just another guy to help AD with that would help a lot. Well, Wood's also not playing minutes with AD anymore. The right. return of Vando, Vando's taking that shift. The realignment of the roster when Vando, Wood, and Rui are all available to play. And LeBron and AD are both playing. It's like, okay, well, Vando is taking minutes at power forward. Rui is taking minutes at power forward. LeBron starts at power forward. You only have 48 minutes at power forward. And they're not giving any of those minutes at power forward anymore to Kristen Wood or Anthony Davis, right? Whichever one you want to classify. And so these sort of lone big lineups, you can still have bigger players on the court and the Lakers are. There are minutes where it's like LeBron, Rui, and and AD, or LeBron, AD, and Vando. It's just like okay, there's these are some Vando at the two D. Like there's been some big groups with those uh, those bench groups. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's just not a like oh two six eleven guys. Yes, and and so the ask then is okay, well, let's change this and let's contain a little bit more and let's not put as much pressure on AD because he can't block a shot and rebound the ball at the same time. It, like, or go to block a shot and challenge that and then recover all of the way back to get a defensive rebound when the ball sprays off of the backboard and goes in their direction. And so you need help from every direction. AD, I bet if you gave him the truth serum a little bit, he would say too, it's just like, look, man, like I'm not going to... He can't be destroyer of worlds defensively, Anthony Davis, while still being, I'm going to be this important on offense. You can maybe do that as a perimeter player, but as a backline defender, you play the most important defensive position on the court. And like offensively, he's super important now too with the with the real sort of fine tuning of, of what they're doing offensively. So... I don't know, man. It's just like, I'd love to see AD get back to IST AD in terms of what he's doing defensively, but I'd like to see that from LeBron too. Like, I think in the playoff environment, that's what you're going to get from those guys, but it's almost impossible to say we're going to get that 80 games a year. 
right? And, and I think that's where we are with AD during this stretch. I, I would also say too, Mike, that this is the time of year where um, a lot of effort can start to wane. These are, we're entering those dog days before the all-star break and in the lead up to the, to the trade trade deadline, where I think a lot of players are looking at like, okay, we've already played half of our season and the, and the all-star break is still a couple of weeks away. And so I think that plays a part in this too. The Bulls game to me was great in a lot of ways for as a like a regular season win in which you're not taxing Anthony Davis uh, as much as you have been. And Amen. how does that happen? Well, you hit 23s. <laughs> that, that's certainly a big part of it. How much of that is sustainable? You're not going to hit 23s, but the offense has been better. Like guys are are getting open more. D'Angelo Russell, like so th- the shooting, I think, has evolved to where you can expect some of that, um, if not to be that hot. LeBron, you know, he did have the previous game um, where he didn't play. And I think that is helpful uh, in terms of his level of energy. And, you know, so AD is 30. He's certainly still in his prime prime, but he's not 26 uh, just in terms of the like 82 games of the absolute peak energy, especially when he hasn't missed games uh, of late. And again, continue to knock on wood for that for AD. So now you go into the Grammy trip. And the basketball, if you just the Brooklyn game is the one that I think the Lakers kind of look back in with in agony over because yeah. the Clippers We'd lost. We'd probably LeBron be in did. a different mood if, if we didn't lose that, especially the way we lost it. Well, yeah, because, you know, you had beaten OKC, you had beaten Dallas, started out really great against Brooklyn and then just basically stopped trying hard uh, and they hit a, a ton of threes. And, and but so that that would turn essentially that would have been five games out of six um, in terms of wins, you know, and and like that. I don't like the just taking that, oh, well, if you would have won that game, because you could also say, well, then maybe what if you would have lost the OKC game because they got hot in the fourth. So you have to kind of play both sides to that one uh, when you're looking back at your record. But uh, going into this trip, then where can the Lakers come together with the group that they have? Like what? And I'm not going to do the thing Darius and I did before uh, where we're looking ahead and trying and saying this is what the record should be. Uh, But they're. These are some winnable games to start this trip. And I think that they're overall, they are playing better than the team that we saw at the beginning of the month, even if the record doesn't reflect that um, to the way that you would like it to. And can they continue some positive momentum there and, and just hang around now as teams like Utah falling off a little bit, Houston falling off, Golden State falling off. So it's it's becoming more of a crystallized like, the play-in and fighting for the play-in isn't as much it, but fighting for home court in the play-in or trying to get out of it. Like that is, that has been the goal now with some of these teams slipping maybe even earlier than some folks thought. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that our offense and continuing the progress we're making there is going to be crucial in that. Um, We start out with Golden State who are one of those teams where they're one of the couple of teams that are of, of, uh, of the non, well, I don't want to say they're a non-lottery team because they're a lottery team right now, but they're a couple of teams uh, of the veteran teams that I do think that Prince at the three is appropriate for. Um, and so I have loved our execution of five out, particularly the whole conversation we have about D'Lo, Austin, Prince not being very physical. The other teams know that too. And one of the things they do on that is they try to pressure those guys. They try to, whether it's on the ball or off of it. And one thing that we've gotten really good at is countering that. 
something that will often happen when you're not as polished offensively at that is that you will let them push you out toward half court. So if you're playing, they're playing ball denial, they're top locking an off ball screen. You're still going to try to fight through it and get to the spot that you were supposed to get to. But now you're catching it at the hash mark as opposed to right above the three point line or curling it. Right. And so one thing that that Prince and D'Lo are especially good at, and Austin is good at and getting better at, and this is sort of the point that I'm making, is that you got to find what is the shared superpower of a f- five-man group. And I think that D'Lo, Austin, Prince, LeBron AD group, for as much as I've lamented the size and physicality of that group, can be really good at executing five-out offense. Where do we cut? Oh, he's sitting on my right shoulder. I'm going to cut baseline on that top lock. And then it's going to flow into a two-man game between two other guys. And there's a certain unselfishness that comes with just making the right cut, even though you don't get the ball, but you opened up a side of the floor for a two-man game between LeBron and AD, for example, that I continuing to build on that. If that is going to be the group, then become great at the things that you can become great at. If And whether that's closing out to the three-point line, close out hard to, to those guys. If it's executing five out, be good at that. And they've really made progress in that uh, respect on the offensive end. So uh, good win to end the uh, the homestand. We got the big old Grammy trip coming up. We will be back on Monday to discuss uh, the game against Golden State. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's There's the move. Two, one. Listen! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! with a little tap to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.